Welcome to Technado. Welcome to another episode of Technado. I'm Sophie Goodwin, one of your hosts. Before we get started, I just want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of Technado, ACI Learning, the people behind IT Pro, and just remind you that you can use that code Technado30 for a discount on your IT Pro membership. Unfortunately, I had to miss last week, and I was very, very sad. And I know that sounds sarcastic, but it's not. I actually missed out. Uh, but I'm glad to be back this week alongside Don Pazette. What did I miss last week, Don? You missed a phenomenal hosting job. I mean, <laughs> it, it, between Daniel and I, we killed it. We on, covered uh, at least 33% of the things necessary to yeah. do a proper podcast. <laughs> and we, uh, we we didn't lose any sponsors that I'm aware of. That's true. Especially since Hard we only have one. <laughs> Hard as we tried. Pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a good week. Uh, we did we did miss you, Sophie. You create order and uh, structure to the podcast, uh, so it'll be nice to fall back into that today. Well, I'll, I'll certainly do my best, but I'm I'm glad to hear that it went well. And Daniel, I'm sure you tarnished my good name while I was gone. Yeah, obviously, I, I do find it interesting that your default voice is sarcasm. It, yeah, I've had to start clarifying. Like, yeah, I'll say I, something in, in earnest, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, real funny. I'm I'm being serious, but so I've had this problem right you have to <laughs> you got to really work on that because i dislocated my shoulder once and my friends were like whatever they thought i was lying i'm sitting there like writhing in pain like, here we go he's trying to make us believe something <laughs> i'm like no i need a doctor They're like yeah whatever get up <laughs> in their defense i did make one of them believe that my mom had a prosthetic limb and he knew her since like he was in like eight years old and that was not true and what was the other thing? Something. Uh, anyway, yeah, I would try yeah. to make my friends believe you earned it. false things a lot. So okay, well, I'll be sure not to go in that direction with my life. Duly maybe that'll noted. be. We're coming towards the end of the year, so maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution: is yeah. to not talk like a jerk. So we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if I can follow through with that. But in the meantime, uh, we will go ahead and get started with these articles that we've got because we have some good stuff for you today. So this comes to us from neowin.net. In case you were wondering, uh, the title is More Info Has Been Revealed About the New Meet App in Microsoft Teams. Now, I'm a daily Teams user, and I did not know about this. So M-E-A-T or M-E-E-T? I wish it was. I wish. Because <laughs> this could go weird yeah. real quick. <laughs> no, it's a new tool to help you find local butchers in the area. And yeah, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Microsoft Teams is, yeah, they're teaming up with local businesses. Yeah. So this is, I think it's supposed to make it easier for, you know, if you've got upcoming meetings or meetings that you've missed, it's supposed to kind of consolidate oh. that information from what I understand. But- I have Teams meetings every week, and I, I didn't know about this, so I'm Plus curious. If you, if you miss them, you're fired. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> you better be there on time. I came yeah. back from Wildwood Hacking Fest, and there was like three meetings that I had no clue about on my calendar. I was like, cool, this is fun. So <laughs> maybe this would have helped me in that instance. So this is this is a new thing. What's the point of this Meet app? All right. Don is totally well, He's no, broken right now. <laughs> you can't see his face. I can't, I can't get the Tommy Boy quote out of my head, right? The... <laughs> you can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a butcher's ass. <laughs> no, no, no. What I mean is... <laughs> All right. So um, there's a lot of companies out there that are putting out a lot of really dumb products. And it's AI this and ML that. And it's just like all over the place. It's insane. Every now and then, something comes out that is actually useful and, and might might turn out to be that way. Um, Meet is, is one of those, in my opinion. So I, I had a chance to try it. Uh, 
I mean, they're Microsoft. never going to lose the stigma of this being MEAT. Have <laughs> <Right? laughs> you tried meat? It's awesome. <laughs> so when I first heard about it, it was, hey, here's this app that runs inside of Teams. It helps you keep track of your meetings. And I thought, wow, that sounds awfully like a calendar. Yeah, it does. Which we kind of already have. We mm. have multiple calendars. We have a calendar in Outlook. We have a calendar in Teams. And, you know, so here's a third calendar this this makes sense like, might as well have it in sharepoint they could just rename calendar vegan <laughs> right in that way oh it's like the opposite of meat oh i see <laughs> yeah i see so then they rolled it out where if you're in the new teams client you can enable it. it it's it might even be enabled already for me it was enabled already i just had to pin it to my bar to see it uh which oddly enough i, I did on my other computer and i've just noticed it doesn't carry over here to my uh, my laptop so that's a feature uh, yeah that's, that's a feature <laughs> but anyhow what it does is <laughs> is it shows you your your meetings right so again just like a calendar here's your upcoming meetings couldn't have found that out but it also shows your past meetings and the feature that makes this useful to me it shows attachments that were posted in that meeting this is the problem i have I, i'm in a lot of meetings mm -hmm. right so when i say i'm in a lot of meetings i don't know nine or ten a day uh a lot and I'll have conversations with people. So like maybe I'm, I'm chatting with Sophie and team. So I've got my my chat just for her. But then I might have chats where it's Daniel and Sophie or five other people. And I can't remember. I know they sent me this attachment. Which chat was it in? Which meeting was that a part of? Now you can go into the Meet app and you can see all of your meetings. You can just scroll right back, chronologically see them, click on them, go in there and access that T-bone. It's right there. <laughs> Every time you call it me, just get that meat out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this This joke writes itself, man. I can't. <laughs> I think that their marketing team did not think this through. You've got to. Well, so when I first heard about it, I thought about Google Meet. Right? Yeah. Because Google Meet, that's their conferencing app. Like, um, so many meat. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that being a marketing yeah. challenge. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, huh. so it's uh, it's out there. It's actually useful, in my opinion. Okay, uh, more useful than the calendar. My my complaint about the calendar in Teams is how slow it is. If you, oh, yeah, if you, yeah, the calendar in Teams is brutally it slow. Is. Okay, I'm glad it's not just me. No, I thought no, maybe no. my computer was just I was doing it wrong or something. Oh no, it's like they're just throwing the middle fingers at you because it's like <laughs> I try to use calendars. You get what you deserve. Then. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you've got the Outlook with the calendar in that. Why aren't you using that? They said. I mean, hmm. I'm guessing. I don't know why they. They double birded this when it came to the hard to say the team's calendar because it, <laughs> it is painfully it, slow. It does remind me of Google a lot though. Where remember how Google had at one point three different chat apps? And did, I, they did. And yeah. I don't know. I and, don't use a bunch of chat and apps. And at one point so. they had three different uh video conferencing apps too. And it was like, good gosh, you're you're one For company. What? Why can't you consolidate? All right, maybe it makes sense to have an old one and a new one, but they right. had like three that were all actively supported. Yeah, yeah. With, you just chose your was were they vastly different in some strange way uh, they would have like one targeted towards consumers one targeted towards g suite and one mm. that was i don't know you had to have magical powers yeah. to use <laughs> um, only leprechauns that lived in alaska yeah <laughs> just strange and remember how microsoft had like skype for a while mm -hmm. and they had um what was it uh um, oh, i forgot the other one yeah was it Z something? I don't know. Something I stupid. Forget. And then, yeah. but they, well, they, they ended up getting rid of it, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they they squished it all together, and then that eventually became Teams. Yep. And okay. Yeah. Interesting. Good I time. I guess I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I guess that's what happens when you start acquiring a bunch of stuff. And then you've got to start like, well, we don't want to go ahead and change the name now because then people that are using it can get confused. So we got to start 
you know, making uh, everything start to work together, eventually become one product. And you, you just got to roadmap that out and yeah. make that happen. Yeah. You know, Google gets a bad rap for, wait, wait, hang on. It's not a bad rap. It's a reality. Yeah, it's uh, a real or, rap. like just <laughs> canceling products out of the blue and, and they're just dead and that's the end of it. <laughs> Uh, Microsoft at least does consolidate things, but they do churn through products like, um, you know, OneDrive, which used to be Microsoft Groove, which used to be part of the SharePoint Sync tool. And uh, it, it's changed names a number of times, but here we are today and it's it's still there. You right. still use it, just different name. Yeah. That's funny because I, I actually just realized Teams is an anagram for Meets. So we're really not that <laughs> far true. off. We are really not that far off. So join us next week when Microsoft comes out with a new article that says, Microsoft, we have the Meets. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what developments. The, the new product, Microsoft Pork Loin. <laughs> it's like, this is the marketing crew over at Microsoft. Oh, Someone's just really into like cooking. <laughs> it's watching Gordon Ramsay shows like left and right. Yeah, Bill, Bill Gates has been on an Iron Chef yeah, kick yeah, and he, he called up. He was like, hey, you guys, let's introduce this new product. I think yeah. we've got we've got more Microsoft stuff coming up here in a second. Yes. So I don't know. Maybe we'll keep talking about meats. I guess we'll see whether you're, whether <laughs> you're playing meat or meats. It's meat. M-E-E-T. Singular. Okay. I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. Meats is funnier sounding. So, yeah. yeah Microsoft meat. I don't want to get yep. in trouble. So and just meat. A, a word of don't, advisement. Don't Google meats. Like I, <laughs> I was in Microsoft meat just this morning on my other computer and here on my laptop, I'm, I'm in the new teams client and I cannot find it. So yeah. it may not be on a full rollout just yet. Be be aware. If you don't find it, it should be rolling out. Uh, like I said, it, it is on my my other computer is not in any insider ring or anything. It's the straight up production Windows 11 uh, with Office 365. So not sure why it's not showing up here. Okay. Well, in the meantime, and in, in between these other articles, I'll be looking for more anagrams for Microsoft Teams and see if we can't work some more meat jokes. You got an anagram, online anagram maker? There's several. Yeah. yeah. If, I use it regularly, yeah. to be honest with you. If you say it and play it backwards, it tells you you have to worship Satan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will shed the blood of the innocent. Whoa, <laughs> Microsoft. No, calm down. <laughs> Those anagram finders, that's how I figured out your name is an anagram for dollar weenie. That's right. So that's... <laughs> Where's the W so there you go. in my name? Oh, duh, last, last name. Last name. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. First, yeah, first, first and last. last. Gotcha. Yeah, I could probably add in your middle name and it'd be even funnier, but yeah. I won't worry about that right now. You got any so, good ones for your own? I haven't found any good ones for me. Sophie Goodwin or Sophia Goodwin doesn't generate a ton of funny stuff. Bummer. Nothing has Just topped. like the real one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, zing. No way. You, you no need way. some bird cream for that bird? Because it is sick. You had that in the chamber. <laughs> You've just been waiting to use that one. I'll see if I can find anything funnier than than my actual name and personality while we're going through these other things. So, so moving on, before I start crying, we've got an article from Tom's Hardware, Power Toys. Oh, man. <laughs> see, uh, I'm sorry. Don, you did this on purpose, didn't you? See if she can get All the right. headline out. <laughs> Power Toys gets updated with new homepage, Environmental Vari Variables Editor. Power Toys gets more powerful. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll be honest. scene in Naked Gun 33 and a third? Yeah, just leave it there. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm not familiar with Power Toys. This is not something that I have heard of. So maybe you can shed some light on this All for right. me. We, we have talked about power, power Toys on the podcast a couple of times over the years. Uh, Peter Van Rystam used to make fun of it endlessly because it's it's horribly named. It is really. I mean, like uh, I said... But uh, but basically what's going on is years ago, if you've never heard of Power Toys, um, there was a guy whose name I can't remember. Was it Mark Racinovich? It was somebody was it like Mark that. Mark Racinovich? It, it might that, have been. That did all the like. Um, the PK tools yeah, PK, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. P 
PS uh, exec and all that stuff. It, it was either him or someone like him where yeah. he was independent and he kept creating all these tools to be able to use to, to help do things in windows that you couldn't normally do. Right. And if you were a sysadmin, these were incredibly useful. You know, it unlocked some capabilities that were very, very handy. Your average user didn't need this stuff, but if you were a power user, here were these things that you could use. And they were all individual tools. And eventually he got hired by Microsoft. Microsoft made them official. And so then you can go and download them much like they did with yeah. um, the PK tools set from uh, Rosinovich. So yeah. I, I don't remember if that was him or not. But either way, this set of tools has been evolving. And a new version just came out where they added two really cool things. And so I thought it was worth mentioning here on the podcast. The first thing is they introduced a new dashboard there are a lot of tools now. I don't know the exact number, but it's creeping up on like 30 different tools that do all sorts of different stuff. And you used to have to launch them individually, so you had to know exactly what you were looking for. Now it's packaged with a really cool dashboard where you can just see all the tools, and many things are reduced to a simple, uh, like a On toggle off, switch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is, is one neat. of them, by the way, is called Crop and Lock. Crop and Lock. That is so funny. Huh. Yep. Uh, and at the same time, they introduced another tool as a part of the Power Toy set for editing environment variables. It used to be really easy to edit environment variables in Windows. And as they've shifted to the, the Metro and Touch UI and all that stuff, it's become increasingly difficult. So they've kind of brought that here into the Power Toy set. So uh, you can click on it. You can see your environment variables and the system variables. You can set them. And my favorite feature is you can define profiles. I hate having environment variables like modified paths that stay there every day for the rest of your life. When I only need them at certain times, they've got it where you can flip between profiles to turn environment variables on and off, which I think is pretty slick. So not something everybody out there needs, but if you're a sysadmin, if you're somebody who needs to get into some of the advanced functionality in Windows, it's a pretty cool tool set. It's officially supported by Microsoft. Uh, so it's on the, the up and up, as they say. Uh, and you can install it right from Winget is what I used. I pulled it from the, the Windows Package Manager and installed it that way. Uh, it's live and out there. Check it out. Nice. I feel like this is rife for abuse though. Like <laughs> for someone to create a power toys, like malicious version. Oh, right. Or to use power toys. Like anytime you add functionality to your computer, it kind of opens you up. So if I can create a profile, if I'm an attacker and I've made access into your machine, maybe I'll create a profile that hides certain things that I do and I flip it off and on, or I make you flip it off and on without you really, uh, realizing that that is occurring. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. But it's it's this is this is computers right like we like them to do things for us but as we kind of add that things there's a, yeah. always a possibility of two abuse. two defenses to that sure. so um, one for the majority of the tools it does not require admin privileges so it you know most of what it's doing is stuff a regular user can do anyway whether they have the tool or not right and then that's kind of my second point is. There's no new functionality here. No, oh no no it just it's, makes it easier to do well right the the what. It, I'm just thinking of like is the idea that I can hide that functionality that I, it is being done and you don't really know because all I had to do was flip a toggle. Yeah. And mm -hmm. unless you're checking that on a constant basis, yeah, a lot I mean, of people that, don't. You know? That's a good point. So like there's a, a host file editor, right. right? And it's got a button just says launch the host file editor, takes you right in. That does require admin privileges, so it right. prompts you there. And if I, get uh, a if I do a UAC prompt bypass, then well, off we go. If we had a, <laughs> if we had a malicious version of the tool – yeah. We could be showing you one host file while right. writing a different one. Yeah, that's yeah. another good point. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So, oh, not that I'm sorry I took this down like a security turn. It's just my thing. So, <laughs> so that's I, what we I, expect. I, yeah. I launched that host file editor and to get a, an interesting warning, it says 
altering host files has direct real-world impact of how this computer resolves domain names. Nice. I would argue that's not real-world. <laughs> you know? How so? As opposed to what? I guess it's what, what you view as real. It's so if I change, like, DNS... If I if I make like you, what you think your DNS server is a different DNS server and it's in redirecting you to like credential harvesting sites, well, doesn't correct me if I'm wrong here. Yeah. Doesn't Edge ignore your host file now? Uh, I don't know. I don't use Edge. I thought it did. <laughs> Plus, does your computer use Edge for everything? Probably. Probably not. <laughs> Microsoft right? probably wants that, right? Right. And if <laughs> so, I yeah, I don't know if Edge uh, does if, if it ignores your host file or not. Like, what's the purpose of it at that point? Yeah, uh, there was an argument a few years ago yeah. about that. If web browsers were going to start ignoring the host file, yeah, just take it out because they were worried about attacks like these. Yeah, and and really, it was only developers that ever really needed to override that. It's not entirely true. Hobbyists yeah. and stuff do it too. Right. Um, but yeah, there was a whole argument. I, I don't know where that went. So yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Maybe that one has uh, rabbit trail there. Yeah. All right. Well, Sophia, your thoughts? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still thinking <laughs> about me. So I'm. <laughs> <laughs> You I'm said sorry. it, not us. We've I'm completely so- <laughs> derailed her. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, no, this is this is new to me. Um, I know y'all said that you've talked about it on the show before, but I think it was probably before my time. So reading through this, this was a, a whole new world to me, a whole new tool. Yeah, and, and that's how this tool is supposed to be, is yeah. here's a, a bunch of tools that normal people don't need. But if you're an advanced user, yeah. you know, somebody who's needing to do- Been around the block once or twice. yeah. Then yeah. you can come in here and you can do it. And some of the tools are silly, uh, like the the color picker. I don't know that I've like ever used that. Uh, yeah, some of them the image resizer. Like I don't think of that as an administrative tool, but here you can right. come in and, and resize images. Woo-hoo. This is an interesting <laughs> one. Registry preview. Uh, I don't know that one. What is that yeah, one? I don't know. It oh, says right. launch registry preview. I'm looking at the a quick little utility to visualize and edit complex Windows registry files. Oh, so you can open a, a .reg file oh. and and see it rendered like the registry. That, gotcha. That could be useful. Okay. I've never used it, but there you go. Uh, all right. So anyhow, neat set of tools. Check it out. This might be an obvious question because, like I said, this is still new to me. But the the versioning convention, how it's 0.75, version 0.75. You said you guys have talked about this over the last couple of years, so mm-hmm. I would assume it would be the version number would be higher. Is there a reason that it starts with zero? You know, version numbers are a... a <laughs> They're alchemy. It just, yeah, it just, it just is up to the fiction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And for tools like these, some developers feel like it'll never be done. It's never version 1.0. It's never what okay. they, you know, they had it all envisioned. And you end up with these minor versions. There's, there's a couple of uh, products that are out there like that. Interesting. Um, you know, th- there's ones like... Uh, OpenSSL, yeah, right. Isn't the current version of OpenSSL like 1.11, something, something really mm. low? Now I got to look it up. I guess I'm just um, so used to seeing like these super high, like we're on well, what iOS 17 now. Like I would assume this is a so new. So normally, I would say in in general, if you if you are a alpha product, you you are live at five, you have been tried and tested, and you are ready to go and deploy for people to actually use and call it a baked solution. They typically rev one that. Okay. Right, that is that is a typical thing, but there is no rule. There's Wild West out there. You can do whatever you want. Mm. It just helps people to go, oh, sure. Well, this is the first iteration. It gives of you this some context. Actually, for, yeah. giving me a ray. So I, I know with like programming languages, a lot of time before they become like we fully support this. This is ready for a prime time. That it will be pre 1.0. Mm. Okay. And I'm very wrong on OpenSSL. The uh, uh, they do have OpenSSL 1.1.1W, which was updated in September 2023, yeah. so still being being updated. 
Uh, but after that, the current version is 3.1.4. So that, okay. was, that one's iterated higher. But gotcha. okay. but there are plenty of products out there, Sophie, where they stay like below a 1.0. Huh. Yeah. And it's because, you know, maybe they feel like it's just not ready for full release. So there's still stuff they're changing and it's entirely up to the developer. Okay. Yeah. That's that's interesting. I did not know that. The more you know. Yeah. <laughs> I learned something today. Now I don't have to do anything for the rest of the day because I learned something. Yeah. I, and we got a cease think, and desist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think largely version numbers are just, as long as they go up, they make sense to people, right? right? And and that's why, like with Ubuntu, they're always, uh, I don't know, acidic aardvark and, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. where they, they want you to just associate a name to it instead of a number because the number doesn't right. mean much. Yeah. I guess I'm just so used to seeing the version numbers <clears throat> relatively high that yeah. I, I would see something like that. And if I didn't know anything about the tool or the application, I would assume it was super new, but say about assuming. Right. If, if, yeah. You know. yeah. Well, I mean, to the point about the Ubuntu where acidic aardvark and feisty fawn, which one's the new one? If you don't know, if you don't have, if you don't know version, they're alphabetized. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's oh, true. And, and then they wrap around right. every 26 releases. So, yeah. 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 Uh, there was the whole thing. Remember when Microsoft skipped Windows 9? Yeah. So they went from Windows 8 <laughs> to Windows 10. And at the time, people were saying it was because Apple was at Mac OS 10. And oh. so like Microsoft didn't want to be behind oh. Apple, right? Yeah. They want to catch up. The reality was that um, Windows 9 would turn up in certain uh, search strings that developers use to determine if you were running Windows 95 or Windows NT. Gotcha. And so they were like, we're going to break programs right. unless we skip 9, and that's why they skipped 9. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty legitimate that's a, reason. Yeah, that's practical. Yeah. It's yeah. not a vanity reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, there you go. I learned something. Maybe you did too. Maybe you're looking at the screen right now and you're like, how could you not know that? Yeah. Well, now I do. Windows 95. See, that's a, that just sounded like propaganda from the the, the Apple side of, of things where they're just like, yeah, you're just trying to keep up with us. Like, well, <laughs> Then you have Ubuntu that switched to years and they're like version 23 point whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. You guys are way behind. <laughs> I guess I guess that if I knew the convention that they were using, that would make sense to me. But yeah, yeah. I, know, I just I guess I didn't know. And now I know. So we'll we'll go ahead and move on. I think I think that's all we've got for uh, Microsoft, at least for right now. Microsoft meets teams, whatever. Uh, so we'll go ahead and move on. We've got a segment up next. It's one of my favorites. This is... Oh! It's like it's like I look over and there's a proud uncle yeah, sitting at the other end of the table. Your just very good. The, the yes. face that comes across the screen or across I, I will, the table. I will no longer be surprised when you hours, do it right. Hours okay. of surprise wow. when it's bad. I think I might cry. Yeah. <laughs> this article comes to us from the register. Overheating data centers stopped 2.5 million bank transactions. So it was, uh, I believe, DBS and Citibank that were involved, involved in this. And I guess they were running infrastructure in the tropics and their <laughs> disaster recovery plan was not, was not up wrong, to... Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, they, uh, yeah, something went wrong. <laughs> what was that movie with Sean Connery and Catherine Zeta-Jones where they were bank robbers and they they were breaking into that that... Bank in Thailand, uh, the the two big towers that were connected was that entrapment. That sounds right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, I, I think a lot don't of people don't <laughs> realize how big of a economic hub Thailand is, and mm. and how or Malaysia. Sorry, I got to get my country straight here. So that's yeah. in Malaysia. Um, <clears throat> that a lot of the world's financial infrastructure is happening in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Like that. That's just where people. People think New York, they think the stock exchange, they, they think of all the stuff that's going on there, but a ton of the world's economy passes through uh, Southeast Asia. And so it's not unusual to hear about something like this, you know, an outage in Singapore impacting millions of tr payment transactions and hitting Citibank and DBS and these big names that we don't normally associate with the Asian markets, but they get impacted. Um, 
but I don't want to turn this into an economy show. So what, what, <laughs> what's important here is what happened. Uh, there were there was a data center there, a big one, and a lot of really critical infrastructure there for the financial markets. And they were doing maintenance. They were doing an upgrade on some of their systems that helped to control their their heating and cooling. I, I doubt there's heating at all, really. So it's just cooling in a data center. And uh, the, the the people who maintain the cooling accidentally closed off the vents to the chiller. Whoops. And so when you do that... <laughs> and then they started a barrel fire. <laughs> yeah, it can start a fire, absolutely. But... Uh, but no, in this they, case, they just like a good one, you know, keep warm next to it. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a backup plan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the uh, the data center overheated, right? Uh, the server started going into thermal shutdown. And so that takes the data center offline. You know, we, we talk about sometimes the CIA triad, right? The confidentiality, integrity, uh, integrity mm. and availability, right? Yeah. This is the availability part of security. We don't think about an air conditioning failure as a security incident, but it is because it well, falls if, under that. If I attack it, it's a security incident. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes an attack can be an accident. So can attacks be accidents? Oh, I think we've talked about this before, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, I think we did. I don't and think I we think answered that, it, but I, I, I think <laughs> that there is philosophically, I think you you had a pretty good, um, if I'm remembering correctly, a pretty good um uh, use case where accidents could be considered attacks. I, I think I, I referred to it with the manslaughter argument. Yeah. That you've got murder, you've got right, manslaughter. Right. Negligence, like, yeah. 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 So anyhow, this isn't murder. No one died. Uh <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> they, the, didn't, they didn't cook the admins <laughs> in the data center. Well we don't really know yeah, that, that's do we? True, that's but true. The, uh, either way, the air conditioning stopped working is is what I'm trying to say here. And the data centers went offline. So that's bad. The chillers are supposed to be redundant. You're never yeah. supposed to have them all blocked off, but in this case, they were blocked off. Yeah. And so that that's a design flaw. It's they like the need Chernobyl to... of data center outages, right? Like, hey, yeah. let's turn all the safety features off and then see what happens. And nothing good. Yeah. That's that's normally how that goes. I worked uh I worked for a bank out in Seattle. So we had, I don't know, 110 branches or something like mm -hmm. that. And in our main data center, we had two chillers and um I remember one of them, the belt started squeaking one day. And, you know, that was a that was a five alarm fire for it. No, yeah. It wasn't a fire. <laughs> my words. Metaphorically. It was a, a critical issue for us. Like once you hear that belt squeaking, that chiller could stop at any time and now you're down to one. And you could say, well, all right, they're redundant, but what's to say that other one's not gonna right. fail? And I so, think in the military they'll they'll tell you like uh two is one and one is none, that kind of idea. So yeah. the more of something you have better off you are. And if you have an unlimited budget, then why not? But have more. Mm. <laughs> now, to add insult to injury, once the data center started going offline, they implemented their disaster recovery plan. They have redundant data centers. So let's just fail over to another data center. But unfortunately, their disaster recovery plan did not work. Oh, bummer. It had problems. Uh, and so the reason I wanted to mention this here on the podcast, you know, they They've resolved it at this point, so they're 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 back online, and and I think they were only offline for a handful of hours. But but basically, it highlights how important it is to test your disaster recovery plan because it might look good on paper. You may think you've thought of everything, but unless you actually implement it, you actually do a failover, you don't really know. And you know, I feel like you, you, anybody that's done any kind of workstation support, you can you can see this mentality, right? When you go to someone's email box, and you. You log in to help them with something. You look at that that trash folder, and it's got, you know, 14 gigs of data in it. And you're like, wow, your trash is full. Why don't you delete that? Oh, I can't do that. What if I need something there? 
I feel like that same mentality comes to with like what we're hearing here where, oh, yeah, I mean, we, we've got the we've got the backup, but I'm, I'm afraid to flip over and see if it works because I know everything's working now. And what if it doesn't work? And then we're down. Yeah, it's like now. And just for you listening out there in TV land, um, Daniel's story there about the trash bin. Yeah, it, it sounds like he's just making up a story, but I, I know exactly who he's talking yeah. about. We, we used to call it we used to call it inbox two. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was a real person. So. Yeah, it's like a real thing. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good yeah, times. like our exchange server hates you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, learn from other people's mistakes. That's yeah. what I always say. It's a little less painful. Uh, test your disaster recovery. You uh, you'll appreciate it. Right. Just go ahead and set the clock and say, "Hey, on the Thursday, we are going to flip this thing over and see if it actually does what we think it should do." And if it doesn't, well, at least it was a controlled fire. It was on your schedule, right? Yeah, yeah. not on a. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, having a plan doesn't really help if you're not sure that it's going to work. Correct. Or if when the time comes, it it fails you. So, yes. Yeah, good to know. If you if you run a major bank, don't do this. <laughs> don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's one takeaway from this episode. Yeah, That's what I you should take away. <laughs> I'd have two nickels, which isn't could, a lot. I could put it in my major bank. But it's mm. weird that it happens. You could do that. Yeah. You could do that. Well, I think we'll go ahead and take our break here. Gone through a little bit of news, but don't worry. We've got more security news coming up next, so stick around for more Technado. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back for more TechNATO. Going to be talking about some security news coming up next. But if you stuck with us for this long, thank you so much. And uh, if you're enjoying this episode, we would love it if you subscribe to the channel, uh, wherever you're watching or listening from. And then you never have to worry about missing an episode of TechNATO in the future. We'll go ahead and move on to our security articles because that's our favorite part of the show, Daniel and I, I think. We love the tech articles, but this is where it, I think it gets juicy. Our first article comes to us from Rapid7. Rapid7, observed exploitation of Atlassian Confluence CVE 2023-22518. And I don't know if I said that correctly. <laughs> Sounds like a droid to I me. I liked it. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, probably a little too fast. I'm the Eminem of Gainesville or something. But anyway, so uh, this is a, we're talking about a CVE here. So maybe you can, I don't know, you or maybe Daniel can can break down what exactly we're talking about here. Yeah, you know, but before we dig into the, the tech details, which Daniel has, um, I, I do want to highlight one thing, you know, Atlassian as a company, they make tools that are designed for engineers and developers. And all of the major Fortune 500 companies use Atlassian tools, and it's just very common. Uh, if you've heard of Jira, Confluence, um, Trello, like these are all tools owned by Atlassian. So they, they get, all get rolled up together. There was a, a bit of a scandal, marketing incident, whatever, a couple of years ago where Atlassian wanted to move everybody to cloud-based versions of their software. And many companies protested saying, we don't want cloud, we want on-prem, we want on-prem servers. And so Atlassian is, has still supported that, making it where you can run these things on-prem or in the cloud. What I want to highlight here real quick is that if you're a cloud customer of Atlassian, 
you can ignore this. This doesn't affect you at all. This specifically affects on-prem deployments of Confluence. And there's other CVEs for several of the other Atlassian products that if you haven't patched, your system is vulnerable. And these are critical systems. So if you're neglecting security on your systems, you kind of get what you 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 reap what you sow, yeah, right? That is kind of how it works out there. Just ask old Equifax, you know, right? Yeah. And, and anybody else uh, that that did not update their servers because that's what you need to do. That's why they put out these lovely little advisories to let you know. I love this one because I'm looking at the summary of these vulnerabilities um, on uh, confluence.alassian.com. They have full breakdowns of these things. And it says, uh, kind of like a uh, a yellow, uh, hey, look here, really quickly thing. As a part of Atlassian's ongoing monitoring and investigation of this CVE, we observed several active exploits and reports of threat actors using ransomware. We have escalated CVE 2023-22518 from a CVSS 9.1 to a 10. A 10. A lot of 10s lately. Like, yeah, hmm. buddy. Like, all over the joint here uh, lately because... That means they're actively being exploited. That's mm. why it's not a 9.8 or a 9. Point whatever. It's because once it reaches that critical mass of active exploitation, this is this is no bueno, right? Huh. This is the highest critical rating due to the change in the scope of attack. And, of course, they have threat detection rules for trying to like, run this down. But ultimately, what can happen is, is that an unauthenticated user is able to manipulate the system in a way that allows them to create an admin user. And from there, they can do whatever they want because they're an admin user, and that gives them access to data and databases and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Uh, not to be outdone, there's also CVE 2023-22515, which is a broken access control vulnerability that allows an attacker to create a admin user and gain access to things. And it says CVSS 10, urgent action required, right? Again, for on-prem stuff, upgrade your instance. If you have this, uh, conduct comprehensive threat or detection and investigations because they are actively being exploited. So if you are running Confluence, and of course the versions are in the, um, uh, the notes, uh, the effective versions being like basically through 8.0 to 8.5.1 for uh, 22515. And I believe, there we go. Um, that's the fixed version. So did they not give us a, a list of the affected versions in this advisory? Oh, here uh, it is, right? Um, Confluence Data Center and Confluence, it just says that's the product. I know they put uh, out a list <laughs> of the versions you need to be at. So it's been remediated right. by the following versions, and they versions. list off several. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, So plenty of information. If you are an Atlassian Confluence user, obviously, you, hopefully you're getting informed by Atlassian. At this point, there should be an email in your inbox. You might want to go check that out. Look at these advisories and follow the mitigation uh, stuff, they say, which is basically update your server. You said that you're seeing more tens on that scale as of late, and that that was supposed to be like a, a rare thing. If it's a ten, oh boy! So, do you think? And maybe maybe I'm wrong on both counts. Do you think that's because we're seeing more actual like worse vulnerabilities or things that are more of a threat, or do you think they're getting more lax with their with their ratings? So, no, it's not a lax about the ratings. It's the the idea that so it's not uncommon to see nine point eights, right? Nine point eights is like we have found a critical vulnerability that allows for remote code execution or, you know, a user it can create an admin user, which allows for a remote. You, you get the idea. 
But if it's not being exploited, if we're like, oh, we discovered that through our own research, mm. right? That's cool. That That's a good thing. I mean, it's, it was bad that it was there, but it's cool that you found it and plugged the hole. You just now have to go and do your thing. What What's weird is the reason we're seeing 10 is because a lot of what well, we're seeing these things being exploited actively. Like they didn't discover it in time mm. or that even though it has been discovered, it's still being actively exploited because people aren't updating or whatever. So we, we, we need to get a little more active when it comes to mm. patching these things. So that that's the problem. We're seeing more activity, more threat uh, actors being able to utilize these high vulnerabilities, these critical vulnerabilities to their, their nefarious ends. And which pushes it up. I mean, it literally said that here in this uh, for the two 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 five one eight says as because of the active exploits and reports of threat actors using ransomware, we have escalated this from a nine one to a ten. Okay, gotcha. Right? So that's what's happening. So it's the, it's the active exploitation Correct. that makes the, that makes a difference there. Okay, interesting. It just I had remember you saying before that like you usually don't see ten, so I was just curious. Not often, but we're seeing it a lot here lately. And a, another part of this, though, is that it, it specifically targets the Confluence server. Right. So they can they can remote execute commands against it, and they are basically deploying ransomware. There is a ransom note and, and so on. So they do that, but it doesn't necessarily give them a foothold beyond that server. Like, I mean, yes, it gets them that, that first foot in the door. They're in the Confluence server. They compromise and ransom it. They can then try and attack the rest of your environment while they're in there, but right now it is limited to the Confluence server. So they would have to do like a a, a chain of of exploits to get beyond that. Oh, again, oh. the more you know. <laughs> yep. What are you chuckling at over there? Is it is Nothing. it relevant just or is funny. it okay? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I didn't know if you were doing a little googling other, over there. Other people's pain is humorous. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's a comedy episode today. I mean, what's awesome. The, you, you don't listen to uh, pop punk from the early uh, 2000s? What was Laughing it, uh, when old people fall. Right. Yeah, okay. You get it? Yeah, fair enough. That's that's the one time I'm going to understand a reference you make in this room, so I'm going to hold on to that. We'll go ahead and move on. We do have a couple other articles that we want to get to today. This article comes to us from Security Affairs. Attackers use Google Calendar, RAT, which is a fun acronym, to abuse calendar service as C2 infrastructure. So it was uh, multiple threat actors that are leveraging the calendar service for a, a command and control thing, right? So big deal, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, you know, before we get too far into this, did we ever agree on what RAT stood for? Is it Remote Administration Toolkit? I thought it was Remote Access Trojan. It means both. Okay. Oh, All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember having this conversation before, and I don't think we decided then it, either. It is both. It is, okay. you know, tomato, tomato. Okay. What about in this context? It, it, probably it is like you're going to use it based off of the context. So in this context, it is a remote access Trojan. This is not a tool. Okay. Right? This is not something like administrators well, would be like, oh, this is a handy thing. No. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we, we talk about botnets and zombie machines and things like that all over the world and how they need to be controlled from somewhere. And so somewhere, there's a C2 server, a command and control server. And oftentimes, that's a server waiting for telnet connections to come in, or it's running on the Onion network, or you know, some, something like that, waiting for connections. In this case, they've gotten creative, and they found a, a way to leverage Google Calendar as their C2 server. And you might ask yourself, well, how the heck does that work? And they, they got pretty creative, I think, because... What they did is they basically create a, a published calendar that anyone in the world can subscribe to, and you can check it. And when you see a calendar event on there in the description of the calendar, it's got the commands that you need to execute. You can then execute those commands, 
and then push the results back as an update to the calendar's description. Now, from a administrative perspective, how do you protect from this, right? Do you block access to Google Calendar? Yeah, that is going to be tough. Right. <laughs> and that's what makes this really interesting. It's not like Telnet or SSH connections that most people shouldn't be making. It's not on weird ports or anything like that. It's they're checking a public calendar. And that's something that people do. So they've, they've found a mechanism they can use that would be extremely difficult. The, the only way for us to really protect from this, in, in my opinion, would be if we've got some kind of IPS, an intrusion prevention system in place that's doing deep packet inspection, looking inside the packet to look at the text in the description and key off of that. Because otherwise... This is just straight up calendar access, really hard to protect. Yeah. And then you'd have to use like a next gen firewall because this will all be encrypted by. Yeah. It's Google, got a right? middleman, so, the SSL. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't be able to see all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is a toughie. This is a real toughie, but ingenious, right? <laughs> you got, like, I always have to say that to my hat because, I mean, because of the really good defenses that we do have out there, attackers have to get super creative on how and way and new novel ways to. Uh, exfiltrate data, use uh, or create some sort of covert channel for their C2 traffic. And this is just absolute genius. You got to be honest with you. And what's interesting, I did look up a proof of concept code for this to kind of, and I, th I think that's where this article is actually pulling it from, was the GitHub repo that I found as well. It's very simple to use, right? What you do is you say, hey, here is, a, so got to remember, let's set the stage, right? We are in a post-compromise environment at this point. Right? Because that's what C2 traffic is all about. Oh, okay, I've compromised your machine. Now I need a way to easily and undetectably control it. Yeah, right. I, I, I want to give it commands. I want it to do things. And I want those things to return values to me so that I have all that data, uh, exfiltrate useful information to myself as the attacker. How do I do that without getting detected? That's the difficult part. To Don's point, using Google calendars makes that really, because you're not looking for that. You're not looking for Google Calendar descriptions to have pieces of information that it shouldn't have inside of it, sensitive information being exfilled. Plus, you're not you're not blocking that stuff. So that's what makes this really, really genius. So what they do is in the description, you say, this is the command I want you to run. So I have, I have a little piece of code, malware, as it were, running on your system once, and it's checking that public calendar for commands. Once it finds one, it runs it. Base64 encodes the output and then updates the description of that thing. And then you just go in and look and see and decrypt or de-encode, not decrypt. Yeah. De-encode that information mm. and voila, there's the stuff that you need. So very, very straightforward, uh, but very ingenious because it's really hard to detect. And no one would probably be looking for this anyway. We have heard rumblings that some threat actors are kind of passing this around on the dark web at this point, kind of playing with this to see how well it's going to work for them. And it's just a quick and easy way of setting up C2 traffic. You just have that one little piece of malware and it installs and all it does is look at Google calendars. So the traffic is really under the radar at that point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having read through some of it, it seems like this would be pretty easy to implement with any calendar system. So it's Google that's kind of releasing some of this information. They've seen these threat actors sharing the, the proof of concept, but this could just as easily work with a Microsoft Office calendar or uh, like a Zoho calendar and whatever. Yeah. And, and it would be the same exact challenge and use it the same way. So yeah, any public API, honestly, that, that allows you to update or change data that is in a public where, uh, like warehouse where it's being stored. Uh, I, I found a way to do it with VirusTotal. 
<laughs> right? Because if you if you have a virus total API, you can submit uh, things to you know uh, samples to virus total for for checking, and then it'll return that, and you can use the API via the command line to uh, get the results of that. Well, you can update things like the description of that or hash values or, or not hash values, but uh, other, other different descriptors. If I can update that and it is public, well, I can put commands in there in the descriptions. It's basically the same idea. That's interesting. I'm, I'm looking at this, this diagram and just following along with how this process works because a lot of this still is relatively new to me. Um, so I like that they put diagrams in there because that helps me. <laughs> that helps me good. a little bit. This this might be a, an obvious question, but something like this, a, th a, a threat like this or a vulnerability like this, is this something that affects like end users like myself that are using Google Calendar or does this affect just people that are that are working on the other side of it? So I think it, in it general sense- everybody. Yes. Everybody. It doesn't okay. really matter if you use Google Calendar yep. or not. Okay. Because this it, is public. It's the malware that's using the calendar, not so much you. So you okay. may have never even logged into Google Calendar a single time in your entire life. Yeah. But if your computer gets infected with this malware, it could be phoning home using Google Calendar. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Yikes. So even if I use Microsoft Calendar as opposed to Google Calendar, this is yep. still... Yeah. Huh. It, it's possible that you would be able to do the same thing. Interesting. And, and don't freak out because, I mean, you're already infected with malware at that point, And it could use <laughs> any number of C2 servers that <laughs> are out there. At that point, right. you're done so for. This is just a really <laughs> nice covert system for passing that yeah. traffic back and forth. Huh. So, yeah, it, it's kind of like you said, you don't have to like it, but you can respect it that it's, huh, this is creative. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Okay. So, so panic or don't panic but you might be affected even if you're not a google calendar user well, what's funny is in this github repo at the very bottom the line says in in all bold uh, text it is just a poc in python please do not ask me how to weaponize it <laughs> but i mean it, it's, it's trivial pretty straightforward to at this point, yeah yeah, yeah. All right, well, then we'll go ahead and move on to our last article for today, although that was that was an interesting read. Uh, this one comes to us from Security Week, and it's part of a segment that we call Who Got Pwned? And there's our friend, Mr. S. Cartman, right, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a super well-versed South Park person. This comes to us from Security Week. It says, mortgage giant Mr. Cooper shuts down systems following cyber attack. So reading through this, it doesn't look like there's a ton of detail on it yet. There's maybe some speculation as to what type of attack it is, but not a lot of details have been released. So what is the what is the angle that we're covering on this? All right. So there's a couple of things going on here. Um, basically, all right, a mortgage company getting hit by ransomware. That's not new. They, they haven't even admitted that it's ransomware yet, but the... Uh, uh, the criminals behind this have started leaking some information and people are starting to get upset. If you're not familiar with Mr. Cooper, I don't blame you. First off, it's an incredibly dumb name for a mortgage company, um, <laughs> but you might know them from their previous name, which is Nation Star. And if you remember the subprime lending scandal of 2006 and the housing market crash and all that, Nation Star was one of the bigger players uh, in that whole process. So they changed their name so people wouldn't remember. It's like when... Uh, uh, was it AirTran became ValueJet? Oh. Or was it the other way around? I don't remember. I can't mm. remember what their name is now, but... Shows you how much I pay attention to They had a plane stuff. crash, so you change your name, so <laughs> yeah. people don't remember. Oh, like, yeah, oh, that, that poor that was airport, us. man. Mm, mm. That was all yep. them, not us. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, Mr. Cooper, not with the greatest of track records, yeah. but... Uh, were, but were you hanging with him? Huh? <laughs> oh, hanging with Mr. Cooper, great. Yeah. So, uh, what I've noticed on this one is the public is getting a little more savvy to this. Like, hey, when when Equifax got breached, the personal data of millions, hundreds of millions of people got leaked out, and you really got nothing for it, right? You got like one year of credit protection, 
from the, the company, company that was supposed to protect you in the mm. first place. Uh, so people have really started to catch on that you're getting screwed over <laughs> by all these companies that have breaches. And so with this case, it's a mortgage company. They've had a breach. It's very likely malware. I mean, ransomware. And the attackers have access to the personal information of, of the people that are that are in there. Now, I was talking with Daniel about it this morning because people are getting upset about this. And I think it's a little bit misguided because when you take out a mortgage, when you buy a home, at least here in the United States, when you buy a home, your information is like leaked out by default. And um, I don't, <laughs> Daniel, I know you've, you've well, bought- Well, some of it is. I mean, bought I a house. I, yeah. I bought houses. Um, so Sophie, I don't know if you have yet. You have to cross if I've that bought Rubicon. a house? Yeah. Yes. Look at me and tell me you think I've bought a house. Gen Z has so no I, I heard plan on buying houses. That um, is it. It was either Boomers or Gen X at at the at this age at like being in their twenties. Uh, the same people they had twenty four percent of buying power of the of the United States, and now it's four percent. Wow! Between Gen Z and Gen <clears throat> X, I believe Gen, you. Or, or well, the answer is no. Yeah. I've when, never bought a house. When I was Sophie's age, I absolutely had not bought a house. So yeah. no, no, no big <laughs> oh, deal there. No. But yeah. uh, but when you do. You can absolutely count on within two weeks of your closing date getting uh, advertisements from every water filter company on the planet. You need a mm. water softener and, and a home uh, yeah, a home the, warranty. Yeah, that's right, because it's expired. And Oh, yeah, you need a warranty <laughs> on your home. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that, gardening services, tree services. And that's because the banks are not required to keep that private. The, the, the title companies are actually who does the, the right. leaking on this stuff. So your your title status and mortgage that goes on to the tax appraisers web tax yeah. appraisers website. website. Yep. That shouldn't be hard to say. But <clears throat> um, and so it's out there. And so I think people don't realize how much of their information is disclosed already. And when you look at somebody like Mr. Cooper, even the value of your home is public information. So the only thing that's really private there is your payment history. And we don't right. know if that's been disclosed as a part of this breach yet. Right. So, or any financial information that might be connected with that, right? Right. And they've, they've not been very transparent on it. But it's still the early days of this this compromise. So we have to wait and when see what comes When you say they haven't out. been very transparent, I, it looks from this article like the only thing they've said is, we've had a breach. Hold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think the only reason they even said that yeah. was they are- Because they have to. They're unable to take electronic payment. And so, so there's no hiding from this. <laughs> so people started freaking out. Like, we're going to get mortgage penalties. This is going to go on my credit rating. Like, I've defaulted on my mortgage. So so they had to come out and say, look, um, all our stuff shut down. You guys get a break. No penalties, whatever. And then they came out. And this is where I chuckled. I don't know if it was this. I, I don't know if I picked the right article for this one. But um, <laughs> they, they came out and they said, don't worry. We've got you covered. You can pay us through these other means. You can mail us a check or Western Union. And I, I'm reading this. And I'm like, well, I can get on a horse and take you a bag of cash. What are you talking about? Western Union? Come on, trigger. Does, does that still exist? How do I yeah. type a mortgage payment in Morse code? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so you can still give them money. Yeah. Get <laughs> that cashier's check there, Don. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the primary. That's the the first thing they're worried about is you know don't worry, don't worry. You can still pay us. Not your yeah. information safe. Not you're not at risk. But you could still give us your money. Don't worry, no problem. Because that's the first thing on my mind. Yeah, and I, I am absolutely looking at the wrong article on this one. So I don't know if we have that quote or if you guys saw it or not. But where yeah, like 
We can still process payments, but you won't get any penalties if you... Oh, here it says, customers who have tried or need to make payments will not incur fees, penalties, or negative credit reporting as we've worked to resolve this issue. Okay. Huh. All right. So at least they're doing that. They're not going to trash your credit because of their issue, Uh, but it affects about 4.3 million customers. And So uh, you know what's going to happen, right? There, There are those people out there, and there's probably a lot more than we give credit for, they will not, they'll be like, oh, cool. So I don't have to make my payment until this is resolved. So I'm going to keep that money in the bank. And then they're going to see all that money and they're going to spend it. And then when this thing gets resolved and they're like, hey, where's our money? They go, here's the thing. I have a problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I had money and it burned and I had to get rid of it <laughs> by, you know, the Home Shopping Network or something. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, banks are, are pretty old, been around yeah. for a long, long time, and they've learned a lot of lessons. But like back in the, the Wild West days, People learn that, wait a minute, if you burn the bank to the ground, they lose all the mortgage notes. Yeah. And so they don't know what anybody owes anymore. And so now you get your home. And so that was like an actual threat for banks. And there was so a movie about this. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, it was like Emilio Estevez and Demi Moore. I think it was called like Justice or something like that. Hmm. I'll look it up. Keep talking. Well, banks learned that, hey, we need more than one copy of all of our mortgage notes so we can store it in multiple places. That way, if the nutsos come and burn <laughs> us down, we still know who owes us money. But for a while, that was something they did not know. And in a way, you fast forward today, we're kind of going back to that. Like if they get ransomware, do they do they lose all knowledge of what mortgages they have? That would be you know, catastrophic for them. It'd be uh, great for everybody who bought a house. That's what we're hoping for. Wisdom. That's what it was called. Wisdom. 1986. And it says, unable to find work after a past felony, graduate John Wisdom and his girlfriend embark on a cross-country bank robbing spree and order to aid American farmers. And what they did was they would steal all the mortgages and burn them and huh. go, there you go. Bring it clear. So like, People were helping them, so they abscond from justice. They would show up at a at a, like a hotel to hide, and the guy that runs like, I know who you are. Just go ahead and take a room. <laughs> and like, I'll oh, tell well, you. It was a really entertaining movie. But, so for uh, all you yeah. listeners out there who sometimes say, you know what, Don's just full of crap. Yeah. He's making this stuff up. I got Emilio Estevez and Demi Moore backing me up. So yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> nineteen was eighty six. Yeah, eighty six. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a Technado if there was a movie reference that I didn't get. So I'm yeah. glad we put that in there. I would there. think most people don't get that reference. That's a pretty That's a pretty deep cut? Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better about I wonder myself if I've, then. I've just, I, I feel like I've probably seen, seen that movie. I, that may even be where I learned this. But. Yeah. <laughs> Emilio Estevez is the guy from The Breakfast Club, isn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. the jock yeah, yeah, or whatever? Yeah, the jock, okay. yeah. yeah. Wasn't there another one like Billy Jean? Wasn't that similar? I don't Some know. Billy uh, Jean of... of of Michael Jackson yeah, fame? Yeah, like, as in, is no. not my lover? That Billie Jean? <laughs> no, not that Billie Jean. Okay, different. She's just a kid. <laughs> thinks I'm the one. <laughs> the Legend of Billie Jean, 1985 film. And let's see here. It is a teenager from Corpus Christi, Texas, riding with her younger brother, Binks, and a skinny local swimming, stopping for a milkshake to deal with a rowdy local teen. Maybe I'm I'm confusing the this two. Sounds different. And who would name mm. the kid yeah. Binks? What is that? It's like Jar Jar Binks. Binks. <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> oh boy. Well, right. so we've been using the name Mr. Cooper a lot in this in talking about this article, and so now I've got Mr. Sandman stuck in my head, but with Cooper in there. Not not the Metallica song, but the original. The Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. You know, Mr. Sandman, mortgage my home, handle my escrow, and give me a loan or something. So I, I think I think you need to run with that. Yeah, you uh, think so. You need a yeah. whole thing. I mean, you got a production team back there. 
We'll yeah. do a full music video. We Make should do happen. that. You know, like the radio morning shows where they come up with the funny songs? Yeah. yeah. The, the, you should contribute that. Oh, I would yeah. do Definitely that. Definitely not me. You guys should do that. Yeah. You guys, that's I would a do great that. idea. I would do that for free, for sure. That's, I do that anyway in, yeah. in my drive over to the office in the morning. Well, if you've stuck with us for this long through all of this, we appreciate you and we love that you are uh, hopefully enjoying the episode. Again, if you are enjoying it, we would love it if you subscribed, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube. And we'd love it if you also left us a comment, any thoughts, questions, opinions you've got about this week's articles or anything you want us to cover in the future, we would love to hear it. We've also got uh, on the YouTube channel here, ACI Learning's live events and webinars and things like that that go on. I know we had one a couple of weeks ago with uh, Joe Hudson and Daniel, and then we're also going to have another one here in a couple of weeks that's another all things cyber webinar. So we'll have more details on that as we get closer to the end of the month. A um, couple other webinars throughout the month, so keep an eye out for those. And of course, you can always find any of the old Technados that you might have missed on that channel as well. I think that's pretty much going to do it. I want to thank our sponsor again, ACI Learning. Uh, and you can use that code Technado30 for a discount on your IT Pro membership if you so desire. That's what we do in our day jobs. And we love it. Well, I love it. I don't want to speak for these guys, but <laughs> I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I get to learn a lot just like I do here. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much going to do it unless, unless I'm forgetting anything. Which... Say, whatever you do, do not look up the YouTube channel Space Ice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, so Daniel showed this to me last week, and I I easily, I, I definitely watched at least seven of them this weekend. So, I mean, we're that's, that's like two hours of time. Yeah. Easily, totally well spent. Easily, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that reverse psychology. Whatever yeah. you do, yeah. Yeah. don't look don't that do up. That. If you do value your time. You, you say it's reverse I'm telling you, that's not the place to go. It is entertaining stuff. <laughs> If I could wink, I would do it, but I can't. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and wrap it up then here. Uh, thank you so much. Why can't Before you we... wink? Is it like a Botox thing? <laughs> Her whole face is yeah. numbed. We got a 24-year-old here getting Botox. <laughs> it's like a, I can't just do the one eye, you know? it's The other one always closes with it. What? Yeah, like. Okay. Kind That's, of. Uh, I have right. to like really, really struggle. I can't do it smooth, you know? like You just got to create that pathway in your I probably look like I'm having a stroke when yeah. I try to yeah. do that. So, yeah. all right. For the third time, we will go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Technado, and we will see you next time.